have an active shooter. We have multiple injuries. Why? Like, why do people do this? Mass murder to the north? Mass casualties in the Mideast. The headlines hit home. The South Florida congressman in deep with it all with us live. I'm not going to lie. It has bothered me for, for a year and a half. Mic drop moment, a major DeSantis defection. That's pure politics. Action on anti-Semitism, or lack thereof, at the center of a state rep's about face. Randy Fine with us live. Plus, why is a Miami candidate sending flyers to Broward voters? Politics and prosecution collide. The roundtable is here for it all, all live this week in South Florida. Good morning, everyone. I'm Glenna Milberg. There is always a South Florida connection, and this week that goes for the news that riveted attention from Lewiston, Maine to Gaza City, with Israel's intensive ground operation underway to eliminate the Hamas terror organization. South Floridians with ties to the people and the land there grapple with casualties and also grapple with decades-long emotional debates. This same week, we are nationally grappling with another mass murder, the sudden catastrophic fallout, 18 people gone because of a man with mental issues and a weapon of war. And so we begin today with someone who is in the midst of both of those issues, Congressman Jared Moskowitz of South Florida. Great to have you with us, Congressman, this morning. I know we were having a little bit of a technical difficulty. Taking a deep breath and uh, ready to chat. Hi, Glenn. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks. I'm and I'm glad I can hear you well. So I want to start out with what I guess is a little bit of breaking news. Um, the, the war in Israel really has an uptick in anti-Semitic incidents as one of the fallouts locally. And your congregation at your own synagogue uh, just in the last couple of hours overnight has experienced exactly that. What can you tell us about that? Weigh in on that for us for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Glennon, one of the things that has been most disturbing about what's going on in the Middle East in a foreign policy issue in a war between Hamas and Israel is the, that it has turned to anti, it's turned to Jewish hatred around the world, but very much so in this country. It, it has reminded, quite frankly, the Jewish community why Israel was created and has reminded the Jewish community why appeasement can never be something that is considered Everyone in the streets that is marching, that's holding signs that say gas the Jews, kill the Jews, bring Hitler back, Hitler was right, all over social media and all in the streets are reminding the Jewish community that this is not about uh, a ceasefire or humanitarian aid. It is, a, it is exactly about what Hamas tried to, to do, which is to uh, end uh, Jewish people, is what they're committed to, and it's what we saw in the atrocities. Um, what happened at my congregation, just you know, two miles from where I live, uh, is you know a bunch of kids in in ski masks, going uh, up to the congregation saying "kill the Jews," something they probably saw on TikTok because it's a cool thing to want to have mass genocide of an entire religion, which is something obviously the Jewish community has heard before, which is why it's so, uh, which is why it's so concerning. Yeah. You know, in in Congress, the support for Israel is not 100 percent universal, but almost universal, bipartisan, bicameral. 
Um, and yet, we are watching in the Biden administration as well, or watching as the air offensive continues and the images of what the Gazan civilians are enduring there, the, you hear the narrative uh, nationwide begin to erode in that support. I know you and your colleagues are working on resolutions and support. What more can Congress do to, to set the narrative? Well, look, one, you know, Congress is, can pass the aid package that President Biden has requested uh, so that there can be both support for Israel and in their campaign to eliminate Hamas and humanitarian aid uh, to the uh, innocent Palestinians in, in Gaza. I support both of those things. I support uh, Israel being able to eliminate Hamas, and I support humanitarian aid for the Palestinians in Gaza. And I think not only can you do both, I think you must do both. Uh, I think that's tremendously important. You know, as far as the the narrative, you know, uh, of what's going on in the war, I mean, this was predictable. I, I said it was going to happen. Many other people said it would happen in the first couple of days because Hamas committed... I mean, just unbelievable atrocities for the world to see. But once that event was over and we transitioned to Israel's response, the images of what happened in Israel are off the television screen, right? And now it's only the images of what's happening in Gaza. And so just like anything else in the media narrative, we can only focus on what is being beamed into our brains. Uh, and we forget just days or weeks ago of why what happened what Hamas did is why we're seeing in Gaza. Hamas is responsible for what happens in Gaza at the moment. It's there. It, it's that's why Israel is there. That being said, that doesn't mean Israel doesn't have responsibility to limit civilian casualties, uh, which is what they're doing as much as you can in an active war. Uh, and so, look, it is a horrible situation. Uh, there is no doubt uh, that Hamas uh, has taken the entire Gaza Strip hostage, in addition to the hostages that they're holding underneath the ground, uh, Americans, kids, babies, elderly in the tunnels. Um, in the tunnels. I mean, it just, yeah. it, 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 it's a horrible situation. No one should be celebrating war and no one should be cheering Israel's response. It is unfortunately a necessary response because Hamas has proven that they can no longer live side by side with Israel. Congressman, I want to talk a little bit about the other huge news uh, nationwide that we're talking about that you have really such ties to as we approach in Lewiston, Maine, 600 mass shootings this year. Uh, you, of course, an alum of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High, and since then, hundreds of mass shootings, even since that upheaval in our own community gave us a first-hand look at what being victims of mass shootings look like. The Maine shooting victims now up on our screen. You have a colleague, Jared Golden, from Maine, who is a staunch gun rights advocate who now has sort of done an about-face and very publicly said he would like to see assault rifles banned. You in the State House, right after Marjorie Stoneman Douglas massacre, really pushed through uh, in a bipartisan way some unprecedented gun law in this state. Do you foresee this Maine mass shooting doing the same nationally at all? Well, listen, you know, you know, I'm someone who, as you know, Glenna, you know, went through what 
Jared is going through uh, in Maine. He, you know, has visited the crime scenes. I mean, I went to my high school where 17 people went to school that day and didn't come home. Uh, I then went to the reunification center, which I'm sure he's doing, where they kept the families of, you know, the parents of the kids they couldn't reach on their cell phones um, and hoping, hoping to hear something, hoping they were in a hospital somewhere, but not in the building. Uh, and then I watched as law enforcement and the FBI came in and notified family one by one, you know, what had happened to their kid, where they were in the building uh, or their spouse, because uh, we lost teachers, uh, teachers that day as well. Um, I didn't hear crying. I heard screaming. It, it still haunts me to this day. And then I attended funeral after funeral. I was driving past funerals to go to other funerals. 17 funerals going on almost simultaneously, then the makeshift memorials that were built and the mental health impact that it has, not just on the families, but on um, loved ones, on friends, on folks that were there to witness it and on the community. And so you cannot, and I say this all the time, and it's it's how I, I really believe we passed the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School Safety Bill. You cannot witness one of these things and come out the same person, right? You're just different. So do you, do you see this, do you foresee this being the catalyst for what? Some kind of change nationally, support for universal background checks? Oh, look, I, I don't know, Glenn. Washington is so broken. Okay, we, we, can, we can barely, you know, agree that this, the House should have a speaker, okay? So, I mean, you know, everyone has seen the dysfunction of the last nine months, 10 months in Congress. In the last couple of weeks, I mean, it's there. There's questions whether we can handle big, complicated issues like this. Look, it was very clear in Florida how to handle it, right? There was lots of stuff I wanted that I wasn't going to get, and there was lots of stuff they, my Republican colleagues across the aisle, didn't want to do that I had to get them comfortable with. We raised age to 21. We did red flags here, three-day waiting periods, hundreds of millions of dollars for mental health school resource officers. Uh, so that there would be more protection for students in the schools. Uh, and, and so there's a lot we can do. We can do school safety. We can do mental health policy. You know, I really think red flag laws is something that we should be doing at a national level. I'm for an assault weapons ban, but the votes don't exist for that yeah. right now. Yeah. And so can we do, can we all agree that mentally ill people shouldn't have weapons? If, if we cannot agree that mentally ill people should not have weapons, then no, Glenna, nothing ever is going to happen. I mean, if someone is literally in a mental institution, like this gentleman was, and then he could go out and buy a gun and, and unlimited ammunition and body armor if he wanted, um, if we can't agree that maybe, perhaps, he shouldn't be able to go get a weapon of war because he's shown, I don't know, that he's hearing voices in his head, Maybe he is, maybe that's where we should draw the line and say that's probably a law that might mitigate the situation. Of course, we're not going to stop all mass shootings. I'm tired of that argument. Oh, laws don't stop. It's not going to stop all this, but we can mitigate it. And every life that we save is still a life that we save. We passed that law here, Glenna. It was bipartisan. Republicans led on it. Not a single Republican lost their election over that law. And there are no chanting in the streets, no protests that their Second Amendment rights are being abridged. We have a Second Amendment in this country. We have to respect that. We but we also have to be reasonable. Yes, and we look forward to seeing that kind of passion on the floor of Congress. We know we will. Jared Moskowitz, great to see you. Great to have you here this morning. And we will absolutely continue this very soon. Thanks, Glenn.
All right, stay tuned. The roundtable is here to weigh in. The Roundtable is back and is here. A lot to talk about, so let's do some introductions first. Rafael Yanis is a Miami-based attorney and a political analyst with a specialty, actually, in Israel politics and policy. Tom Hudson is senior economics editor and a special correspondent at WLRN. Welcome to the Roundtable, Amy Driscoll, deputy editorial page editor for the Miami Herald. And Roundtable veteran, Stephen Johnson. Where are you, Stephen? Stephen Johnson is here, <laughs> uh, very active with 100 black men of South Florida and Miami-Dade's Black Affairs Advisory Board and an attorney by trade. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to throw the first question to Amy Driscoll. So nice to have you on the roundtable. Thanks for asking me. I appreciate it. Um, so we talked a little bit about a lot of things with Jared Moskowitz, and I really want to get a sense that South Florida is in a great debate over the war in Israel right now. And I would like everyone to weigh in on how, you know, in, in my mind, a terrorist act and an operation to remove terrorism is far removed from politics and policy and land disputes and, and what's going on for decades there. Mm -hmm. What's your take? Well, I mean, I, I, I see it's happening in South Florida because we have a large Jewish community here. It's very important to, to a lot of people here. And a significant Muslim community. And a significant well. Muslim yeah. community as well. And I think that it's not, a, it's not surprising that it's, that it's become so important to us here. But I think that we're seeing it come out in a few places, like on college campuses with the Palestinian groups that, that you know, the state is pushing back on. Um, and the flights, the, the flights that we you know, that we as, as taxpayers are, are paying for. Um, so I think there's a, you know, uh, we can't divorce ourselves at all, and sh nor should we in South Florida, from you know these very important issues. Yeah, yeah, you really can't. And I'll tell you what: when you're living in South Florida, you're living with people uh, from all over. I've served on the my, the City of Miami's Housing and Commercial Loan Committee with actual Holocaust survivors, right? Mm -hmm. So it touches us in very real ways. And being that's the case making sure that we take our time to put our arms around our Jewish brothers and sisters is important um, because clearly I understand the Jewish community right now is going through some things. You're not okay, but you're not alone. And I know being, being a black man in America, how it feels alone when you're going through something, but you're not because there are other people watching and listening and saying, no, this isn't right we should stand with you. And you're, you're talking about the terrorism component that the state of Israel has been living with an existential threat since the day it became a state. Actually, I'm talking about more than that. Look, listen, 18 months ago, we had Nazis sitting out, out front of uh, yeah. Disney. I've got a governor running for president that ran Nazi propaganda as a campaign slogan. These attacks and the attacks on black history that mm -hmm. accompany them is part of a hand-in-hand -hand coordinated effort to marginalize and attack people who have been marginalized and attacked all throughout history. I see it, I know it, I recognize it because I've experienced it. And it becomes easy at that point to say, okay, this is what's happening and we have to take a stand. And it also becomes easy, even in this age of social media, to look at the propaganda that's going on all throughout uh, social media and say, look, listen, there's a lot of things going on over there right now. They're not the American Indians. 
They are not black Americans. Those are different struggles. Stop wedging that issue into the intersectionality. Our issues. Could it, I, it's, right. it's interesting because what I was going to ask you is you're very well versed in Israel politics and history. And it seems like, especially for young people, there is a historical fact vacuum. Hmm. Well, there's, there's actually a recent Harvard poll that came out showing that Generation Z was more likely to uh, defend or support or think that what Hamas did on October 7th was excusable under the guise of resistance, uh, which we all know to be abhorrent and fa factually incorrect. So that has a whole separate conversation about what's going on in terms of failing a future generation that we're all going to depend on, right? I'm a millennial, but I'm going to depend on Gen Z. I do want to pick up on what Stephen was saying. I've said on this show before to you, Glenna, that local politics is foreign politics. Foreign politics is local politics in South Florida. Every yeah. single Sunday. Every Absolutely single Sunday and, and every week, every month. Mm -hmm. So what's going on here, I, I think it's actually very telling that we have uh, as non-Jews, we have uh, had to stand up for mm -hmm. our Jewish brothers and sisters who have been facing outsized anti-Semitic uh, attacks across yeah. the country and in our own backyard. You know, it was, um, it's very interesting these last couple of weeks is that, and we saw it, um, I, I don't think we saw it in such a horrendous way in our community, but in the Midwest, a uh, little boy killed by his landlord because oh, he was Chicago. Muslim. Abhorrent, um, yeah. abhorrent yeah. what happened. And, and I think we need to recognize anti-Semitism and Islamophobia and acts of hate yeah. are one and the same in so many ways. And I think South Florida, especially in the Muslim communities, are very cognizant of this. I, I think you're absolutely right. And we can really be uh, very particular and understand the pain and the suffering of our Jewish friends our family, mm -hmm. our neighbors. We're not too far removed, Steve, as you mentioned, from having a family member, a colleague, a right. friend, a neighbor who experienced the Holocaust and the horror of, of uh, 1920, 1930, 1940 Germany, right. and seeing that play out on our social media screens and our TV screens in a way on October 7th was absolutely horrific. And the denialism after the fact. And, and excusing. And excusing yes. it where people aren't willing to, people are going around ripping down posters of babies that have been kidnapped. Do uh -huh. you think that's a, social media is playing I was playing about to say that exactly. Such a big is. role in this. There, there, is, there is disinformation and it is being distributed so quickly now and that is a change like we didn't used to have to deal with that and now it becomes fact before there's even a chance to push back on it the bombing of that of that hospital or the, the parking you know, lot outside of the hospital that was that was so quickly and then and they had there was there was they were trying to pull it back and trying to pull it back that was but, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and right. you know, it goes to the old uh, Mark Twain quote that a lie can't even put a lie will go around the world twice before right. the truth can put on his shoes right. except right. now I think it's even faster right yeah. and I, I think I, that I, the truth is still not really believed by a lot of people even as we sit here today. Right. Yes. I told a friend of mine, uh, I said, listen, in the wake of the death of George Floyd, we got a month of protests. It was October 7th through Tuesday before the pendulum swung the other way because the way that the cycle goes, the way that the cycle goes moves so quickly and it's a vicious cycle. Just yesterday, I saw a tweet that uh, the, the head of Hamas says, we did not direct the targeting of Jewish uh, civilians, which is amazing because you paraglided into a whole concert and shot a whole bunch of concert You know, I'm just going to go on record as saying believing the head of a terrorist organization is telling the truth <laughs> is, is kind of an iffy thing that you can be concerned about. But let, sit tight because we're all coming back. But um, 
We have a lot more for us to talk about first, though, as the governor puts a pro-Israel platform front and center in his presidential campaign. One of his staunchest supporters in the state house breaks ranks with him over anti-Semitism. State Rep Randy Fine is right here live next. A bit of a bombshell this week when one of the governor's biggest supporters in the state legislature ended that alliance with a scathing published about face, saying the governor did not do enough to combat an increasing number of anti-Semitic acts. Randy Fine is the only Jewish Republican in the Florida House. Governor DeSantis, who this week launched what he calls a Strong on Israel website and addressed the Republican Jewish Coalition in Vegas, he called Fine's move pure politics. What's your response to that? What are your That's thoughts? pure politics. Totally ridiculous. What other governor has rescued people from Israel? State Representative Randy Fine, Republican from Brevard County, right here at the table with us today. Did you travel for us today, special? Just well, say yes. Just I, say yes. yes I did. <laughs> Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Um, wow, you really kind of blew up the, those of us who live in that kind of world. Um, really surprised. And the last time we were together was in Jerusalem in 2019 when the governor was signing the anti-Semitism law. Explain. Well, I've been frustrated for a long time. That bill that you actually saw signed four years ago has never been used. It's never been used. It was well, the, designed. The, uh, let me let me just rewind because sure. the four years ago law is something different. We can talk about yeah. this. This law we're actually showing video. Um, I believe because we talked about it in yep. Jerusalem, made property crime put a pop, property crime. Uh, level to yeah. anti-Semitic acts that involved and we've done we've done two but to answer your broader yeah. question um, I'm not the same person I was on October 6th I don't think any Jew is and I believe that we needed to measure things not by words but by actions and I was been disappointed for a long time I've, I've, I've aired those privately but I couldn't be quiet anymore I was quiet through the kind of ignoring the Nazis, the rise in Nazis. But when I saw these protests happen on college campuses, I begged the governor to do something about it. I put out a letter 10 days before I made that change. And I said, take these laws that I've given you and use them to protect Jewish children. So the 2019 law about anti-Semitism yep. on college campuses, how could that have been applied to what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks? So the laws because there is a free speech component. Absolutely. but. It's interesting, when it comes to racism on college campuses, no one worries about free speech. When it comes to pronouns, people want to throw people out who miss pronouns. Safe spaces that you find on college campuses, a safe space by definition is a place where the First Amendment doesn't apply. So all of a sudden with Jews, everyone get worried about free speech. What my bill said was very simple in 2019. Jews get the same treatments as every other minority group. A kid running through FIU screaming, a student running through FIU screaming, hang all the black kids from a tree, they'd be gone in 60 seconds. We all know that, and they should be. But somehow when you say gas the Jews, well, let's have a discussion about free speech. That's what upset me. That's why I wrote that bill, and it's never been used in four years, including right now where the Jewish children of this state need it to be used. And why would not it have been used if there is someone who can be there to raise that objection. In other words, is this an FDLE arrest? Right. Is this where where is it? It's not a criminal. Twenty nineteen's bill is not about criminal conduct. Um, being a, being a racist is not criminal, um, but it gets you invited to go home. 
And, and I just said, treat Jewish kids the same. And right now they need that. They are scared. Parents call me and their kids are afraid to go to school. Their kids are afraid to go to class. And that's not right in the state of Florida. I've got two of my own and I'm fighting for them and I'm fighting for every other Jewish child in the state. So the law that was signed in April in Jerusalem mm -hmm. that applies anti-Semitism, hate crime status to property crimes. So the property That's crime- That's not all it does. Right, right. I'm just for our for our conversation here. The, what I'm thinking about is those little bags that get thrown on mm -hmm. lawns. The banner hung from a highway in Orlando yep. with things on. Why that we're looking at kind of right now? But why has that gone unprosecuted? Well, they've started to some degree on they that. Have. I think they could do more. And they could have always done it. It was always illegal to hang banners from overpasses. I asked them to do something about it before we passed that law. But that bill does more than that. That bill says if you attempt to harass, intimidate, or threaten Jews because they're Jews, that is a crime. Now, when someone is standing in front of the Jewish Student Union saying from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free or gas the Jews, is that intended to educate or convince people to do something? Or is that intended to harass, threaten, and intimidate? Those laws need to be enforced. So let's talk about the governor for a moment because okay. uh, just a couple of hours ago on uh, cable network television, he was addressing your about face um, and, and also defending his own record on Israel, kind of clapping back. And what he reminds people when he talks is about how he has put money towards security for Jewish schools, uh, anti-BDS. Uh, boycott, divest, sanction laws. He has divested Florida from groups that do that. Um, so he ta he's been to Israel. He was behind the suggestion to move the embassy to mm -hmm. Jerusalem. All of those things that I think there are a lot of people very supportive of. Is, is that not enough? Well, I'm not saying he hasn't done anything, and I appreciate the things that he has done. The Jewish day school money that I got in the budget, starting in 2016 under Governor Scott, I'm grateful about. I'm grateful he signed these bills, but. I didn't pass them as I wrote in my letter to create press availabilities. I passed them to protect Jews, and I expected that to be done. And the other issue in what I did this week is I believe what happened in Israel, what's happening on our college campuses, would not be happening if President Trump was president still, because we didn't have these problems when he was president. And so I have a choice. Can I support the person who says all the right things, but the action doesn't always measure up? Or can I support the person who actually does the right things, no matter what he says? So in your support for Pres former President Trump, I mean, he's had dinner with anti-Semites. Mm -hmm. You know this. I do. Um, and maybe more problematic for some people is that he feels like the election was a lie. Do you feel that way? Well, I have, I have my thoughts on that, and this really isn't the time or place for that. But it is very difficult. Well, it's kind of a time or place well, for that. Well, but I, what I, you talked about him having dinner with anti-Semites. What I know is this. Donald Trump is the only president in American history to have a Jewish child and Jewish grandchildren. It is impossible to argue that someone whose grandchildren are Jewish is an anti-Semite. Yeah, has he had dinner with people he shouldn't have? Sure. But I'll be honest with you, you can criticize me for this. I'd never heard of Nick Fuentes either. There's enough people that hate Jews, I don't keep a list. So, you know, I, I, I think in that case, he just didn't know. And, and, I, and I would understand that. I hadn't heard of the guy myself. Have you heard former President Trump do what you're asking uh, Governor DeSantis to do in that 
formerly stand up and denounce white supremacy, denounce Klan's, denounce Jewish hate speech. Have you heard that? When President Trump was president, he took the bill that we passed in 2019 and he used it as the model for a national executive order, saying that not only in Florida, but across the entire country, that treating Jews differently would be a civil rights issue. That is action. Now, unfortunately, it happened in 2020 and then he was gone not too long later, but that showed that he took these issues seriously. Representative Randy Fine, it is great to have you at the table. And uh, last we were on Zoom, you are invited back anytime, and I appreciate it. Happy your time. to be here. Thank you. Thank you Goodbye. very much. All right, uh, next, the roundtable is backed to dive into this one. Back with the roundtable. All right, let's just dive into this. Steven Johnson, you, when we start the roundtable during the commercial, you know it's going to be good. Um, you're, you have a huge issue here. Yes, I, I, I had an opportunity to, to listen to Rep Representative Fine, and I'll be honest with you. You can't sit here and say that you are a defender of the Jewish people and not know who Nick Fuentes is. You can't sit here and say you are a defender of uh, Jewish people and not know what Nazi uh, imagery is that DeSantis ran in, in his campaign. And to sit here and actually... You're talking about President Trump, former President Trump. No, I'm talking about Ron DeSantis ran Nazi imagery in his presidential campaign, what, June? The social media. Uh, social media. Yeah, the person right. did get fired. Right. He got right. fired summarily after. But, and but and yes. to sit here and yes. put your head in the sand and say, yes, I don't know happened. anything about it. And it's September 3rd offensive. was was praising DeSantis for being a staunch defender of, of the Jewish community. It reeks of political theater. Well, That's okay. all it is. The political theater is real. And for anyone who's watching a campaign right now, to not think that you're watching theater is <laughs> is kind of every campaign is theater I've supported campaigns I've been a volunteer on multiple congressional campaigns and so presidential campaigns show. right and presidential campaigns are are the highest form of political theater meaning sometimes it goes to the lowest rep fine switching from endorsing the governor so you have to think about the power dynamics the reality is as a Republican member in the majority in the legislature with a governor who has a veto pen on spending projects that rep fine wants to pass to get into his district Right, and he's nearing the end of his uh, terms because he can't be there more than eight years. Well, he's running for Senate. Right, he's running for Senate. 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 Yeah. So, but the point is, the governor is still around, even if he loses uh, his aspirations to the presidency. Rep. Fine will pay a political price. So he this will is, pay a political does, price does from this mean DeSantis. it's less political theater because it's a brave if move you, with consequences? If you understand the dynamics that each member of the state legislature operates in, in this case, a Republican under a Republican governor who is not shy with retribution, there will be consequences. We don't know what they are yet. We'll see. And hopefully he's insulated himself enough with House leadership and with others and future Senate leadership to withstand it. Right, but I, 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 I think that what he's doing, though, is he's making a calculation that mm -hmm. Trump is going to win and that DeSantis is going to come back as a much weaker governor. Right. And right. I think that's what's happening here. Yeah, right. I, do you think this taints his, this about face? taints the governor at all? No, I don't think it taints the governor at all. He's so so far down in the polls and losing steam almost each and every day right. that it's it's not 
it's not going to uh, contribute to that uh, momentum or lack of momentum that the governor has not been enjoying here. I think uh, back to the performative piece, yes, campaigns are performative, no doubt about it, but governing should not be a, about performing, Correct. right, about performative. Uh, governing should be about results, and, and I would like to see this particular debate between Representative Fine as he's running for the Senate and the governor from the same party to really focus on what are the results they're going to be applying and, and really uh, pulling for in terms of for Floridians. And I also, I also would like to say, though, that, that um, actions are important, and that's one of the things that the defenders of DeSantis say. He has taken a lot of actions that were important to show that he is a defender of Israel, a defender of Jewish people. But words are important, too. Right. And when you're the top of the party, your, your words are leading the party in a direction. We talked on the editorial board, we talked to the uh, Anti-Defamation League last week, and they told us that they're monitoring the chat, you know, after DeSantis right. speaks, and the people in those extremist groups are celebratory. They're yes. gleeful right. because he did not address Amy, it. Amy, I want right. to talk about action. So President Trump and those, everyone here knows, I did not support President Trump in the last election. I was very public about that for specific reasons. However, President Trump's actions on the U.S.-Israel relationship were tangible. He moved the U.S. Embassy officially Can, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, did, the first the, president to the deliver. Governor who was congressman at the time, yes. was very involved in that decision. He was. He yeah. was very right. involved because he had a very warm and friendly relationship with the president at the time. But go also, you have President Trump at the time, he also uh, ordered the strikes that killed uh, al-Baghdadi from ISIS. He killed Soleimani from the Iran Iranian Revolutionary Guards Corps. He's been very strong on those topics, and I think he deserves some credence, and most importantly, the Abraham Accords. I have been blessed to go with Israel bonds to visit with government and business leaders in the UAE, in Bahrain, and then in Israel. We met with the Israeli president, amongst other dignitaries, along the whole journey. And we were able to see firsthand Arab nations. I was the only non-Jew on that trip, and we saw a room full of 80 distinguished leaders from across this country, lay leaders, were with these officials saying, you're the third organized group of Jews ever to come to this country, and they were embracing us with open arms. Right, but all of those things already happened. Randy Fine was aware of all of those things. He was also aware for the last 18 months there were literal Nazis posted up in front of Disney World right. yes. uh, terrorizing so Jewish families. Yep. You can't look me in the face and say I advocate for the protection of my people and ignore, actively ignore, and I didn't hear an apology for it, actively ignore attacks on those very same people. And I'm sensitive to it, as I said in the last segment, because those attacks are still attacks on my people. So why am I paying more attention to it than you? Why? You're not. They're, We're all paying very close attention. I think my point is that him, for him to come here and, and say, without an apology, mind you, that October 7th was the last straw, it's disingenuous because October 7th has been building going back in Florida for 18 months. All right, where, where were all the, the these, this, this, you know, upset when the Nazis, the neo-Nazis were marching, they were hanging banners, why was he still supporting DeSantis then, right. when DeSantis still has not openly in, said, in I his, denounce I'm that? Not, I'm and not, and I'm what not he was fine. doing, not, not that I'm here to defend him, but what he was doing was crafting the law that the governor then signed all about which, that. Which helps, but that's yes. still not the same as actually addressing the issue yeah. face right. to face and right. saying, Listen, I absolutely, I'm not can, can we, 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 I really gotta take a break. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But stay tight, because we're gonna all come back. No, we're, we're coming here. back. Maybe we'll talk about something a little different, which is why a criminally charged Miami candidate huh. is campaigning in Broward 
That's what we're going to talk about. Politics and prosecution <laughs> colliding. Stay tuned. City elections are officially underway. Early voting, including in the city of Miami, where one of the commission races includes a suspended incumbent currently charged in corruption-related crimes. Alex Diaz de la Portilla is not only fighting the charges, he's using them in his campaign flyers, but to voters in Broward who aren't even voting in that race. Hatzel Vela sets up our closer look. I didn't know what to think of it. Fort Lauderdale resident Alfredo Olvera was confused when he got a flyer from a Miami City commissioner in Spanish. None of our commissioners here in Broward County have a Hispanic name. The flyer calls Broward County State Attorney Harold Pryor shameless and a liar. This is a work of fiction by this prosecutor. The night Diaz de la Portilla was released from jail, he was already targeting Pryor. A month ago, the now suspended Miami City Commissioner was arrested on corruption charges like bribery and money laundering. Despite his legal troubles, Diaz de la Portilla remains in the commissioner's race. In fact, the flyers paid by proven leadership from Miami-Dade County. When you look up the political action committee, Diaz de la Portilla is listed as chair, treasurer, and registered agent. It's not surprising. His opponents argue this is typical Diaz de la Portilla. He tries to deflect, right? He hasn't done anything in four years. Alex Diaz de la Portilla is known for spinning. Miguel Angel Cabela showed us similar flyers sent out, he says, by Diaz de la Portilla, making false statements, allegations about him. The idea is from him to confuse the voter. When asked about the flyer, the Broward State Attorney's Office says, like every other case, our office is assigned to handle. Our assistant state attorneys will prosecute the case in the courtroom and the justice system. So the Broward state attorney has this case so that the Miami-Dade state attorney is not conflicted out. Amy, why? What's the point? <laughs> the, well, the point, I think, is a guy who is already thinking that he is going to get reelected, although he has been suspended, he is still running, and that he thinks he's going to beat the charges. And so he, he's looking to the, next, to the next fight beyond that. He's a guy, you know, who has a lot of... of anger, uh, as you can tell from some of those clips. He's, and a, he's a strategizer. Yeah, but he's also, like I said, he, he, I think he's working from the gut a little bit, but also thinking beyond these, these next couple of steps. Judges don't like this kind of communication, right? Whether or not you're, you're communicating something like this, and communicating is a polite word to use in this <laughs> regard, communicating this to a potential jury pool or not, not the case here in Broward County, but nonetheless, this kind of communication on the part of defendant to the public about another uh, officer of the court, I can't imagine a judge is going to look kindly on it. I wonder this. if Alex Diaz de la Portilla cares uh, what the judge is doing. Let me say until the judge makes some kind of ruling, however. Yeah. When, when, when I heard about it, when I heard that he decided to send out campaign mailers into Broward um, attacking the black state attorney of Broward um, in Spanish, to Spanish surnames only, I said, well, if that is not the most white supremacy thing I've ever seen in my life, but then I thought about it. it there's also a legal maneuver to it, mm -hmm. and that is to prevent the Broward State Attorney from moving the venue from Miami-Dade right. County to Broward County 
by quote unquote tainting, um, tainting the, the jury pool. pool. However, wow. that yes. strategy comes from what I have to believe was a phone call from uh, Sydney Powell or somebody saying, "Hey, let's 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 unleash a Miami Kraken over here." It problems. is wacky. Wait, the Miami Kraken was unleashed decades <laughs> ago. Clearly ago. not, because here we are now, right? And and it, it, it is Billy absurd. Corbin did a documentary on that, actually. Right. Yeah. So, so seeing seeing what is happening, I, I don't think it's as from the gut as that. I do think it's sort of a a thuggish and over the top maneuver. But city of Miami is not you know new to thuggish and over the top maneuvers. This was done openly from a political action committee that he controls. Well, okay, that was my next question. Actually, is that because a campaign political action committee and a candidate? is not legally supposed to coordinate when the candidate mm -hmm. is the PAC mm -hmm. treasurer and president. How does that legally work? There's a lot of nuance and we don't have enough time. Let's, <laughs> let's just go yeah. uh, at the- at Three the, minutes and 16 at, seconds. At the, <laughs> high, at the highest level, he's being transparent because he wants folks to know that it's him. Mm -hmm. When, oh, when sure. politicians yeah. like Alex Diaz de la Portilla do not want folks to know that they're involved in something, they have all the maneuvers, all the tools and toolbox available. You've done amazing reporting about shadow packs routing money through Atlanta and then back here to against uh, right. uh, Javier, um, Jose Javier Rodriguez and, and others that were attacked up in Broward, uh, excuse me, Broward and, and in so Orlando. And so common, much more common but, than we ever heard. Way, I agree with Stephen's yeah. outtake. I, I will say that this is a cold maneuver to taint a jury, potential jury pool in Broward. Right. He, he, that particular pack from July to September in the most recent reporting, $400,000. Oh, so that, okay, that pack, and we, you've done reporting on this, the Herald has mm -hmm. as well, and LRN has mm -hmm. as well. That pack is actually named and involved in the charges that are against Correct. Alex Diaz right. de la Portilla. Right. right, and he thinks that he understands uh, the law better than anybody, clearly, right. because he's been in there trying to make it work for his brother and now for himself. We don't know the influence of dark money in this. I think there's a lot um, of un unanswered questions still, but you know, it's, it's, it seems like a very risky maneuver to me. <laughs> it comes down to the voters in the district, right? I mean, as we're as we're in this election cycle, he's I mean, likely the, to win. The the, the Miami uh, a a suspended candidate under criminal indictment running for endorsed the office. by the police mm -hmm. union. Right. Just by the way, right. to who the gave a thousand dollars to that pick? Just want to let you know, the, the <laughs> Miami FOP gave $1,000 to that pick hmm. in so this the, most the, recent quarter. The question, Glenna, you and I spoke weeks ago about this, sorry, but we spoke about this weeks ago that if he wins re-election, what's going to happen? Is he going to be suspended by the governor once again? Yes. And if so, how much time? You uh, say until? yes. No, I think it's a maneuver. I think, so. I, think, right. I think it, it, it allows uh, the, the city question, commission. The governor's power has nothing to do right. with whether or not he or she won re-election. Right, but when, when, when and if he wins, what happens? Like Michelle Spence-Jones, same the thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Right. right, but yeah. the, go the governor will, the question is how fast will the governor move he to suspend once again? He moves very fast on this one. very fast. And what happens is, the real issue is, what does the commission do? And I think the commission appoints because for them it's an, it's their strategy involved there as well. It's unfortunate, but this is the world we live in. And don't forget with Michelle Spence Jones, she beat the charges and was and went back. So right, right. was reinstated. Yeah, we right. can you know that that may be the route we're on again. Right. Miami history, it. read it <laughs> because past is prologue. <laughs> Amy Driscoll, great to have you aboard. You'll be back. Thank you. Yes, Thank you. I'd love to.
Tom Hudson, Thanks, Rafael Yanis, Stephen Johnson, my roundtable, and Fuego, thank you so much. <laughs> Love hearing your perspectives and expertise. And we will be right back. To re-watch today's interviews or listen to the This Week in South Florida podcast because you just didn't get enough, scan this QR code right there with your phone and it'll take you right to the This Week in South Florida section of local10.com. And you know you are such a big part of this program. We'd love to hear from you about what you think about anything. Connect so easily on social media or email. Find us and reach out at Glenna WPLG on Facebook and Twitter and X and Instagram and threads and pick your poison. Thank you so much for being here with us. Have a beautiful Sunday and we'll see you right back here next week.